had an out-of-body experience in your youth that remained unforgettable for you. How did this come about? Well, I have to go back a bit, actually. I experienced a somewhat burdened childhood and adolescence. I was an only child and didn't have a very good relationship with my parents. It was rather characterized by a lot of arguing, quarrels and tensions. And then during puberty, maybe also because of puberty, I simply withdrew a lot, so that when I came home from school, I went straight to my room, lowered the blinds, lay down, and listened to music with headphones for an hour or two, and locked my door so no one could come in. And since my life didn't seem very joyful to me, I'd say I always tried to block out everything that was happening in my life. And I tried to concentrate on one point or be completely with myself, whereupon I had different experiences. I didn't know that this might be called meditation. Today, I would perhaps see it that way. But at that time, something like meditation was not accessible to me. For example, I didn't know anything about Buddhism or consciousness research. It was all foreign to me. I was, after all, only 15 or 16 years old. I then experienced some very exciting things on one occasion. I had the feeling that I was really concentrating on one point only. Normally, I perceive myself when focusing on my head area, and that's then me. But in that moment, I was somehow a minuscule body, very small. And thus, I was wandering through my body in the form of a very small dot, down to the big toe, and then I somehow perceived myself from the big toe, so to speak, and this was strange and a bit irritating, but also exciting and interesting. And once when I listened to the songs of Mike Oldfield through the headphones, I used to listen to his music all the time. And then at some point, when listening to one of his music pieces, it was Tubular Bells, which I liked very much and listened to often. I again and again tried to separate the individual tones, so to really hear each individual note, how the melody is structured, and how the individual pitches are superimposed one on each other, I also tried to follow individual notes, and so on. And in so doing, I had an experience where I got to a point where I perceived one single tone, and then there was just nothingness, until the next one. And this nothingness lasted a very long time. It seemed like an eternity to me, and it felt like time had ceased to exist because I was so present and so caught up in this moment. And so I really followed every single note, and what I experienced then has nothing to do with my normal perception. But also, now in this moment, it's no longer present. But this experience was very, very intense, and I pursued this method over a longer period of time, certainly two or three years, until this very impressive experience came to me. So it simply overcame me, so to speak. I didn't train it, I, it just happened. What was it that you experienced? I had already gotten up that day, I was on vacation, my parents were both at work, so I was home alone. I had made some tea and sat down at my desk. I wanted to write in my diary, and I looked out of the window for a moment, having almost finished the tea, and all at once, and this is unusual, because I am someone who opens her eyes and then is awake, and then the day can begin. 
I don't have to slowly try to get into daytime consciousness, but I get back to my senses quite quickly. And then, while sitting, I had a very urgent need to lie down, and this, I felt, was very unusual. It had never happened before. But the urge to lie down was so strong that I then lay down on the bed, upside down, that is, with my head in the place where my feet usually lay, and with my feet on the pillow. And no sooner was I lying there, I felt a crack or a click in my head. It's difficult to say, anyway, there was a sound. Whereupon, I had a very strange perception that was that I was somehow sitting upright in my body. And it wasn't that I saw my arms, my legs, my body, or part of it. There was nothing perceptible that I could have looked at, but it felt that way. At some point later, I read somewhere that there is a light body and an astral body, but I didn't know that at the time. I just had a perception that I was sitting all of a sudden, seeing my legs and my feet positioned on one side and my upper body as well as my head positioned on the opposite side. Then I felt as if this had been given to me from inside, but it wasn't conscious thinking in the sense of, now let me think about it. I simply thought to myself, if I am already outside so far, can I then still go further outside? Then I was floating, so to speak, into the upper corner of the room, then experiencing myself up there in this corner, but I still wanted to go further outside. And it wasn't a question of whether I should or could use the door for it, but I simply came outside through the ceiling and through the attic and the roof. And I then found myself between the houses at a height of about four or five yards. Below me, I saw the roof of my parents' home on one side, the roof of the neighbor's house on the other. Well, the paved driveway was directly below me, and the garage with the garage roof was in front of me. So I must have been at a height of more than three yards, so I was really high up, and I didn't feel uneasy about floating there in the air. I didn't have a visual field like I usually have, which is about 180 degrees around, but I really had the impression that I could perceive all around, but yet I could direct my attention or gaze, and I saw the sun behind me. It was in the sky in the south, and in the north, however, there was also a light, although our sun can never be seen in the north. And so I thought to myself that this cannot be the sun after all, because our sun was behind me. Anyway, a bright glow was there that I was fascinated to look at. And around that glow, or in all the air around that glow, I had the impression that I saw every single atom, so to speak. But it wasn't like a solid particle, as one might normally imagine. But it was an interplay of light, colors, unbelievably intense, brightly iridescent colors that were also changing. It was a radiance and a pulsing there, similar to a dance, and it also sounded not quite like music, but it had everything of a sound, and all of this was existing at the same time. And because this was so enchantingly beautiful, I wanted to get closer. I found this light incredibly attractive because it felt so peaceful. 
and also so blissful, so I kept floating closer and closer toward this apparition. I wanted to get there so badly. And the closer I came, the more I noticed that I was dissolving. I had the feeling that I was going home again, because I actually belonged there. The earthly world is only an in-between world, or an in-between state. And actually, this place where I was now is my home. And I was so happy that I was allowed to go home again, back to this place. That's because I came closer and closer to this place. And as I disappeared into this light and was taken up by it again, then something happened that I can only describe as follows. If you take a helium-filled balloon, which can float upwards, and if you hold it by a string and then pull it down with force, or if you pull the string violently, then the balloon also goes down quite quickly. And that's how I felt it, as if someone was pulling me down with a lot of acceleration. And I found this extremely unpleasant, because I wanted to go forward, not back again. What was also strange is that I was having a difficult relationship with my parents at the time, but I still loved them very much. But that was not the question at that moment over there. It wasn't the question of what was behind the conflict with my parents. This was not important. But what I wanted was, I simply wanted to go home again, to my original home. Thereupon, I moved up again, whereupon I was pulled down again. And then I tried a third time. But by then, it was no longer possible to get very close to the light. But there was a violent jolt instead, and I was suddenly back in my body. And I opened my eyes, and I was very upset. My heart was racing, tears ran down my cheeks, so my face was really wet, because I was obviously crying, because it was all so touching and so intense. Whereas, it wasn't pleasant at all finding myself in this narrowness again. I found it oppressive, above all, to be separated from this bliss. I can't put it any other way. But then it was clear to me that I still have a task and that therefore I have to continue living here as I used to, before I will be allowed to go over there again. And that was not pleasant. Did you perceive the surroundings accurately when you were outside your body? When I moved outside, everything was still very concrete. I saw the roof tiles, I saw the tile lichens on the roof tiles. It was all a very earthly sight, just as I would look at it presently. But as soon as I turned toward that light, it changed. So the closer I came to this light, the less important was the previous image that had presented itself to me. This compactness, this terrestrial picture, then no longer had any meaning. And as I said, the way I explained it to myself was that it was as if I could see what the world was made of, or life, or I find it difficult to explain. This light in the north, did it have a certain color? It was quite bright. It was white. The light shining there was all white, but the atoms in the air were colorful. And as I said, they made a beautiful sound and they were pulsating. But I don't remember anything else being there at all, besides these pulsating atoms. It was really only at the beginning, when I was looking at something solid, but only before I perceived that light. I didn't look around anymore either, because everything else wasn't interesting, because all I wanted was to get to this light. There are people with out-of-body experiences describing 
a silver cord connecting them to the body. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, I only perceived that there must be something connecting me. In retrospect, when I read about the silver cord, I then thought that this could have been the silver cord also in my case. But I didn't recognize it that clearly at that moment, because the only thing I felt was some connection to the earth, hence this simile with the balloon, because I felt like this balloon floating upwards. But I also felt that there was still a solid connection that eventually pulled me down. When I then read how the silver cord phenomenon is described, I thought to myself that most probably this phenomenon can be compared closely with a near-death experience. But I was perfectly healthy. I was just lying in bed without being in any danger. Did you have any other experiences of this kind later on? Well, not as intense and as comprehensive as this one. And although I wrote a lot in my diary in my life, I never wrote down this experience because it was clear to me that it will accompany me for the rest of my life. So it was clear that I would never forget it because it was etched on my memory, so to speak. I've had lucid dreams several times in my life. I have an affinity for them. You can also train for that, so to speak, by asking yourself, three, five, or seven times a day, am I awake or sleeping? What can I do in order to recognize whether I'm awake or asleep or something similar? And if I do this for two or three days, then I have a lucid dream. However, I don't make use of this ability. So I now, as before, have lucid dreams from time to time, but of course at longer intervals, where I fall asleep, then dreaming, and while dreaming, I suddenly realized I'm dreaming right now, and I'm not awake. And in the context of such a lucid dream, I first have to say, I was a young girl, and I had a crush on a young man. However, I had never been to his house, but it was he who came to visit me from time to time. And in this lucid dream, I removed myself from my surroundings, my bed, my room, so to speak, and went to the house where he lived, where I knew he was living. And finally, I was in his room. He was lying in bed and was sleeping. Then I thought to myself, that's not okay now, and I found it embarrassing somehow, and also that this was a bit transgressive behavior, and also that this was a bit of transgressive behavior. So I left, and two or three months later, I brought him something for Christmas, but he was not at home, and I wanted to leave the gift with his mother, but she said, Please do me a favor, go upstairs and put it in his room. I then had to go all the way up the stairs, which I did, and when I opened the door, I realized that this was indeed the room where I had visited him in my dream. The wardrobe was where it had been in the dream, and the desk was there too, and the shelf and the bed. I then found it all a bit oppressive, because I knew that I had already been here in my dream, and also because I felt it in a way it was a déjà vu experience. And a few months later, I had another experience, so not very positive. It happened when I was having a lucid dream, but I can't remember where I was or what I was doing. All I know is that I came back to my room and had everything in view there. I had a kind of teenager's room with a folding bed, and I saw myself lying in bed there. I was a bit irritated, asking myself what was going on now, and how could I get in there, into my body, which usually 
was not really a question. But this time, it very much was a big question. I then floated closer to my sleeping body. And when I found myself exactly above it, I realized that this was not possible. I found that strange. I really had the feeling that I could not get into my body. Then, all of a sudden, something happened that frightened me. And that was that this body, which in reality was my body, sat up, opened its eyes, so that I looked myself directly into my face without a mirror. The whole happening was very threatening for me. Also because I experienced the look on my face, which belonged to my body, as hostile. And it was also about this that I was frightened, so that I thought that something was not right here, because this body was nevertheless my body that I wanted to get back into. And then I can still remember that I only ever briefly perceived myself from the inside, whereupon, however, I was outside again, and this several times repeatedly. And in this process, I also tried again and again to switch on the light. That's what I still remember. I was constantly groping toward the light switch again and again. And at some point, I had indeed succeeded in doing so. And then I was sitting in bed, again my face wet with tears that I had cried. And finally, I had reached the light switch somehow and turned on the light. But then I was afraid there was something in that room that I didn't see anything, but I had the feeling of a presence, as if there was something in the room that begrudged me to be back and feeling at ease with myself, as if there was somehow something in the room that begrudged me to be back in my body and feeling at ease with myself again. And I didn't dare to move. I would have liked to run away from the room quite quickly, but it was clear to me that if I left the room now, I would no longer need to live, sleep, or do anything in this room. So then the room would no longer be mine. And this was something that I was absolutely aware of. And so escape was out of the question. So I preferred to just stay seated. Otherwise, I have always been very courageous, even as a child. I have only been afraid of a few things. And when I am frightened, I usually make myself big. But here it was clear to me that it would not work in this case. I didn't dare to stand up for myself, nor did I dare to speak loudly in any way. I just stayed seated, thinking, what shall I do now? And I then just prayed a bit. I said, dear Lord, if there is something you can do, that would be really nice, because my situation is not very good right now, because there is something threatening me. Please protect me, and so on. And that took quite a long time. It must have been 10 minutes or so until it all disappeared. Also because time drags on much longer due to the fear, and it slowly became weaker until finally this haunting really had disappeared. I must have sat there for another five minutes just to be sure, and only then did I dare to get up. So it was all okay, because then it was over. But this experience meant that I didn't bother so much with such things afterwards, because it was just oppressive for me. Do you have an explanation for this experience? Well, at the beginning, when I had this light experience, I didn't dare to talk to anyone about it because I was afraid of being thought crazy and that people wouldn't believe me and would dismiss it all by maintaining that I had just simply fallen asleep. It took me a long time before I confided in an older friend. I had a motherly friend whom I trusted and she kindly lent me the Tibetan Book of the Dead to read and that did me 
a lot of good because I realized that there are lots of people who have been dealing with consciousness for hundreds of years and that there are statements for this that were triggering an aha moment for me. And thus, I was informed that neither am I alone nor am I somehow crazy, but that what happened to me has just been something exceptional. And as for this other story, where I felt so threatened, I once discussed it with someone who also has access to mysticism. And he told me that it is being said that spirits would sometimes linger next to a sleeping body, which they then take over. I don't know what it was, but it really felt as if there was an energy, an energy that was taking over my body, trying to prevent me from making use of my body again. That's what it felt like. But you were able to cope with this experience. Insofar as I just didn't become involved with it that much anymore, I told this story to a Hindu holy man who had just come back from Pune at that moment, and all the people around him said that he was quite spiritually enlightened. But I can't affirm that. I didn't know him previously, but he wanted to hear about my experience. And so he let me tell him all about it. Whereupon he told me to be careful if this happens to me so easily, without me working more intensely to bring it on. He further told me that there are people who would be working towards such experiences in their whole lifetime. But for you, it just comes naturally. It just falls into your lap. At that time, I was not eating meat either, nor did I eat white flour or sugar. And he then said to me, do me a favor, eat schnitzel and chocolates to ground yourself. Because you see, something like that can also happen while driving, such a haunting, and further on, he said, and take care of yourself. So from then on, I just ate schnitzel and chocolates. And in doing so, I grounded myself better. And I also focused on what task it could be that I have to fulfill or still have to fulfill. Milita, tell me, did you have any other special experiences? I actually had a very touching experience when I was with my boyfriend and together we moved to another place where I then started my studies and he had accompanied me. We took an apartment there and to make a long story short, the relationship broke up after a short time and that was very painful for me and it put a lot of strain on me. I was very fond of him. Quite simply, the reason was that he had met another young woman and he cheated on me with her. Somehow, I could not get over it and I couldn't bear it. So I then broke up with him. This was a very bad time for me. I couldn't sleep very well. I could hardly eat anything. It was just terrible. So I stayed at a friend's house, also spending nights there, because I didn't want and couldn't be at home alone. One evening, I was already in bed and had laid down, and I had eaten very little that day, apart from a small salad in the evening. But I even had troubles to eat that. Although I'm usually a good eater, but that evening, I really chewed on those little lettuce leaves for such a long time, and it was all very difficult and tiring. Well, I had laid down, 
and now I was lying in a strange room in my friend's home, and I was a little sleepy and felt like I was dozing away. I didn't sleep well the days before, maybe three or four hours, I don't know. Anyway, it was a very bad sleep. Then suddenly, a light figure came to me. It just appeared, floating toward me. And that was not scary at all, although it is very strange when you're lying in a dark room in someone else's house at night, and then suddenly some kind of light being somehow appears. However, she came and held out her hands to me so invitingly, a gesture that I should come along with her. I wasn't inside my body. My body was of a similar quality as the one of this light being. So she took me with her, and then, all at once, were several of these light beings present, all of them consisting of different shades of color, and they all welcomed me into their circle. They didn't have hands, I didn't have hands either, but we moved as if we were dancing around dance, and they all comforted me and were simply there for me, making me incredibly happy, for I felt protected by them, because at that time I simply was in deep emotional distress and was very sad and desperate. Therefore, I didn't have much contact with people, but very much so to these light beings who were so friendly to me. I felt so sheltered together with them. Their appearance is not easy to describe, perhaps best when you imagine colorful chiffon scarves that are swaying in the wind. They were flowing figures, but it was all light, nothing concrete, and it was very comforting and I felt very sheltered. So to continue, besides this frightening experience, you had another beautiful experience as well. What impact did this out-of-body experience have on your further life? Quite a different one, I must say. On the one hand, the question of where we go when we die has been answered for me. For me, death, as it is commonly described, does not exist. It is rather a process of transformation. We simply go where we come from anyway, and also where we belong. Death doesn't frighten me, but dying does. I'm also prudent and cautious. I have a son whom I love so very much, and it will certainly be hard to say goodbye because I just would like to be there for him. The idea that I can't be there for him when he needs me because I am already over there in happiness, that worries me a little. Well, that's about how I see it, and otherwise, nothing has changed my attitude. Of course, I'm also afraid of a serious illness or possible pain that I would have to bear. That is the same for me as for everyone else. But for me, this stands symbolically for dying and for the transition. When my father died, I talked to him for three or four days, simply out of intuition, wherever I was walking and standing. And then, when he had been buried, he died very miserably. He was suffering from a pulmonary disease, and he really suffocated at the end. And the whole time, I was thinking to myself, he's really fine now, because now he's over there in the other world. And it rather would have seemed shameful to me to wish that he would be back in that annihilated body. So I was standing there throughout the funeral with a bright smile on my face, whereas the others probably thought I was on Valium. But on the contrary, I was stone-cold sober. I was just happy that his suffering had come to an end, because I had really a very clear idea 
of where he now was. And I was happy for him from the bottom of my heart. So that's my attitude toward death and dying. And as to death, it's a different attitude I now have than the one I had before. And I've kept it that way, even though I had that experience a long time ago. And I actually make use of this insight sometimes when I talk to people who are very seriously ill, thinking carefully beforehand whether it could be helpful if I share what I have experienced. So that it can really mean comfort, encouragement, hope for these people. And so I indeed do that sometimes. And I have really asked myself the question, what should I transmit to those whom I encounter? And I'm not quite sure whether I'm on the right path. I can only hope. And I have also really tested myself. And it took me seven years to realize for myself what I must do with my life. So also what I should do professionally. And I did that. And I am very happy with it. I am also delighted with it. And it is all very authentic. Melita, I thank you very much for the interview.